0: Well, welcome back to the Someone to Tell to podcast. Uh, we are just so grateful to have you with us. First off, something that I was just thinking about this week that we don't do enough of is just to thank all of our sponsors. We have so many sponsors that believe in this mission, whether you're an individual supporter of the podcast or you support Someone to Tell to's work at large. We are just so grateful. Uh, we recently had a conversation with one of our consistent contributors to the podcast through patreon.com and uh, we just wanted to give a shout out to to her and to her family the jessica drew sunshine memorial foundation they've supported our work consistently they are a monthly supporter of our work Uh, you could find our episode with Lindsay, which i think happened in season two And Lindsay was a wonderful guest, but we we recently just reconnected with her as she and her family were experiencing another significant anniversary of the passing of her sister, which she talked about extensively in our conversation with her several months ago. And so we encourage you to tune into that episode. But again, just thank you to all of our sponsors who believe in some of the Teltu's work of cultivating meaningful relationships through what we call compassionate listening and training others to do the same.
1: We just feel so privileged to do what we do, that we get to meet these incredible guests and connect with people from across the United States um, as well as locally here in, uh, near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where we are, but also people around the world and we're finding this, this just wonderful community of people who share similar values about, about transparency and vulnerability and compassion and, and listening, the importance, the vital importance of listening to one another with, with real intention and with real presence. And we've, and our guest today, Paul Coliani is another one of those people whom we've met and who will will talk you'll hear what he has to say about these things and and how they changed his life so much for the better.
0: So let's tell you a little bit more about Paul Coliani. He's written on his website this about himself. Back in 2005, I went through a breakup of a 13-year relationship. It was quite a shock to my system one night she told me she no longer loved me the next day she moved out and shortly afterward i fell into depression it hit me pretty hard i didn't realize how much i took for granted being in a relationship i didn't see any of the warning signs the first few months of my depression i was just trying to stay afloat i didn't really have my own identity without her in my life So I wandered around aimlessly for a while. I kept working, but it was always dark and lonely inside my head and heart. After a few months of this, I believed the next best step for me would be to meet someone new and replace that person that left me. I made an effort and did eventually meet someone. We hit it off right away. However, she lived 3000 miles away. So I had no clue how it was going to work out. After a few trips across the U.S., spending as much time together as possible, we both knew we wanted this relationship. I chose to move across the country to live with her. Our relationship seemed perfect, except for one big problem that kept rearing its ugly head. I was still depressed. And so it's with those words in mind that we begin today's episode with Paul. We hope you enjoy it. Well, Paul, <laughs> welcome to the Someone to Tell it To podcast. So good to have you today.
2: Oh, it's an honor. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it.
0: Well, it's been really fun to get even more connected to you. One of our board members um, who has actually been a previous podcast guest, I think it's season two. Um, Connor Donnan. So, for those of you interested, you go back and tune into that episode. But Connor got us connected with Paul and introduced us more fully to Paul's work. And uh, it's just been a joy researching and listening to some of your interviews and conversations with folks. And and so we just um, we just gave a really powerful introduction to, about you and your story. And we just like to hear more about your story and why you wrote about what happened to you in two thousand five.
2: All right. Well, yes, that, that is a, a a deep topic for sure. I, I like to approach my history as being raised in a dysfunctional household and bringing all the coping mechanisms and survival mechanisms that I created from that upbringing into my adult relationships and ruining all of them. Mm -hmm. And so I look at this history of where I was being raised as, um, the, the toxicity that helped me become who I am and also ruined almost everything that was near and dear to me. And a lot of it was my own choosing, getting into jobs, getting burnt out, not having boundaries, uh, being toxic in relationships myself. Um, all of this just kind of stemmed from childhood um, trying to still act like an adult with these childhood tendencies and survival mechanisms In adult world so it's I wrote that because I learned over time that the more I express the better I feel it doesn't always work if I don't hit on the right the origin of what's going on inside of me but if I'm feeling pain or sadness or fear or anxiety I've learned that the more I express it, the more I tell people of my shame, my guilt, my fear, my embarrassment, all of that stuff, the more that comes out of me, the more it comes out of me. And it, and it feels lighter and lighter every time I do it. So in 2013, I started blogging about it and podcasting, and and I still was opening up then. I was starting to open up more and more in the public eye, which was something I thought I would never do, just deciding to myself and say you know what I thought about all of the stuff that I went through and so many other people have gone through very similar things worse things not as bad things but they don't want to talk about it everyone has all these different skeletons in their closet and I thought what would happen if one guy stood up and said hey I have all these skeletons in my closet here they are and what happened was all these other people started writing to me and saying oh my God, I'm so glad you talked about that. That's exactly what I'm going through. I now feel better about it. And so that really sparked me to start being more honest, more transparent and just open about everything that's going on in my life. So that's kind of the reason that it started because the expression made me feel lighter and then it moved into affecting everyone else as I express and I'm vulnerable in those moments.
1: You mentioned about relationships that were ruined. Yeah. Have any of those relationships been restored? Have any of those people, how do they react? Or, how, or maybe you don't know, but have, have they reacted to your blogging, your telling the story, your, your, your vulnerability um, in any way? Good uh, or positive or negative?
2: Yeah, I had uh, one long-term relationship for 13 years. It was my first major relationship. I had a one for a year, two two years, and those people I never really got in contact with. I don't even know if they know of me or my show or anything like that. But the one long-term relationship, it was funny because I we ended up breaking up after 13 years, and then I got married, and then I got divorced, and then I started the overwhelmed brain and doing what I do now. Um, during the it was the day after i got my divorce papers that my first girlfriend of 13 years reached out to me through email and said oh my god you're doing all this stuff what the what is what happened to you oh my god uh and it was all positive because because she was reading about all this stuff that i was admitting to hey i was a former emotional abuser i'm i'm working on healing myself and this is my story i told all this stuff and she's relating to it because she went through it and so she reached out to me and she's so sweet she reached out to me and she's always been sweet but i was a toxic person in her life and here i am admitting not saying her name or giving details but she knows it's about her or some of it and she's saying oh my god you're just a different person and i I was kind of i was humbled and i felt really small i didn't want to take a high road and go yes i'm this fixed repaired (laughs) healed person now i just felt i didn't know what to think about it i just felt almost embarrassed like here's somebody that i mistreated i mean there were good times too but i certainly did not show up in a healthy way and uh she reached out to me and so we reconnected and that was nice it wasn't a rekindling it was a, a reconnection it was Hey, we went through some times and it's still great to know you. I'm so glad that I had you in my life. Um, my ex wife, we had an eventual, uh, I think, compassionate parting. It was a hard one. I cried. I said, It's your fault. We should go to therapy during the divorce. And then when the divorce was good and done and I was doing my healing, I finally took responsibility for everything. That i caused to happen in the relationship and i i just wished her a good life and i said you know i'm sorry for everything that happened i'm sorry for everything i did and i meant it and then we left on i believe good terms um i don't talk with her at all because i don't reach out to people unless i don't know if they want to talk to me or not but i've seen her uh, when we were connected on social media for a while seen her profile and she's doing very well She's in another great relationship and I'm so happy for her. So a short answer to shorten this answer is, um, the people that I have reconnected or I've reconnected with, um, it has been good. It has been healthy. It has been, um, probably, I think my first girlfriend, she wrote again after I wrote this article on healing from emotional abuse, she said, you just gave me the best gift I've ever gotten Mm. because it was about our relationship and other relationships I've had. But, Certainly, I think it answered some of her questions or gave her some closure. And I think that was very helpful for her as well.
0: You, like us, is you're. It sounds like you're an introvert uh, by yes. nature. <laughs> so, what does it?
2: Yes. What, yeah,
0: what what does being an introvert mean to you? And and being in such a relatively public space with your podcast, your coaching, your blog, for example, how much emotional energy does it take for you to do what you do and to put it out there for the public to hear and and see and and to judge?
2: I think being, first of all, being an introvert really helps me connect with my emotions. It really helps me get in touch with what's going on inside of me. And I only see intro, I mean like, I can be an extrovert when when I want to. If I feel like being an extrovert, I can go out there and be social i feel better inside myself when i'm not around people that have other emotional stuff going on even though i also feel perfectly comfortable with it but when i really want to reconnect and ground i i really like being alone and so that has helped when i i believe that when you connect with yourself extrovert introvert doesn't matter who you are when you can sit there and be comfortable in your own skin and allow whatever thoughts and feelings to come up, whether you call it meditation, whether whether you call it sitting in nature and you're just being present. uh, I think when you do that, you learn so much about yourself and the world because you are a part of the world. And I believe that when you learn about yourself, you're learning about other people as well. So I've done a lot of that. So my introversion has helped me do that and bring it into the world and teach people what I know about myself and what I've learned about myself and I think it helps them relate not because I'm all wise and I know all the answers but because it helps them relate to themselves the way I relate to myself I don't really say this on my show but being presented with this question right now I think that's what comes up for me is that my introversion really helps ground and connect me and then bringing it out into the world. And it's still an introverted, uh, media outlet, right? I mean, standing, being behind a microphone with nobody else in the room, (laughs) even though I'm connecting with thousands, tens of thousands of people, it feels, I still feel like I'm connecting with myself, but I also think that's very healthy in relationships when you're with someone. And you can connect with yourself while connecting with them. And that's what I feel like I'm doing on the air. I'm connecting with myself. I'm presenting myself. I'm being transparent and vulnerable, at least as the best of my ability. And I love to connect with people that do the same thing and be in that same space with themselves and with me. So I kind of tie that in off off the cuff thinking about introversion right now. I kind of tie all that in with being introverted and then bring it, bring it into the world the way I do.
1: Well, we definitely resonate with that as introverts (laughs) ourselves. So we, we get what you're saying and uh, believe that to be very true. So uh, thanks for sharing that. And, and, it's very articulately uh, sharing, sharing that. So thanks. Um, You've talked about, you know, in this answer and even a little bit previously about transparency and, and vulnerability and living authentically that you've through all of this, you've learned to be much more authentic and to put yourself out there in a very real and, and honest way. So can you talk more about that? Would you talk more about that? What it is like to live authentically when you made a decision that this is what you wanted to do, how difficult was that? And, you know, how have you become more comfortable with that? And what if, you know,
2: what more have you learned about that? And from that? I'm laughing because it was scary as hell. And it still is. It's still, it's still scary. The fear still comes up. I want to say something that's on my mind, honor a boundary of mine. And I know it's going to create some conflict and someone who's been conflict averse his whole life, didn't really have much boundaries, didn't know what they were, uh, to suddenly start honoring his boundaries and say what's on his mind, say no when he means no, say yes when he means yes, and say no, I can't help you this weekend, sorry, instead of saying, of course I want to help you this weekend because I want to be liked and loved, <laughs> and you know, I don't want to be that guy, I want to be the nice guy. I, the first time I started doing that was like 2009, I think, and it was four he was a pretty high level guy in the personal growth industry. I actually worked at a personal growth company and um, he was pretty high level and <laughs> he was the guy I decided to honor my boundaries with. And uh, <laughs> it was interesting because I, I remember it happening and I've told the story on my show before, but there was a room of us, uh, all employees, about 20 of us in a circle. And he was going around putting everyone on the spot. What are you doing to raise sales? What are you doing to this? What are you doing to this? And here i am and everyone else was like this i'm sure waiting to be called on and fearing the worst and okay so he finally comes over to me and he said "What are you gonna? i think i was in multimedia production at the time He goes, what are you going to do to raise sales and i said i think i'm going to create some ad creatives or something like that and he goes well why are you going to do that and i said <laughs> and this is very passive aggressive i know i said uh so you'll stop yelling at us the whole whole room went silent and then he goes oh you think I'm yelling at you and then he moved on to the next guy I thought okay he didn't fire me on the spot and so that finished and then my immediate supervisor came up to me and he goes you know you probably shouldn't have said that and I said yeah I know I, I shouldn't have so I went right back to where I was before not honoring my boundaries instead of saying no he deserved it that was wrong I still went back to that you know you know shy and me and uh, he goes well you know just I said I won that won't happen again but that that one incident gave me a taste of what it was like to be comfortable in my own skin to stand up for my integrity to to be um, to be a person of integrity I think that's what it comes down to it felt like a truth that was dying to come out. And when it came out, man, I felt really good, really scared, didn't know what was gonna happen, figured I'd get fired. They didn't fire me, it was pretty much forgotten. But shortly after that, I think two employees came up and they both said, I am so glad you said that. And suddenly I felt like this hero, like I was the one, that was the guy, I I stood up and I said this stuff. Not that I was trying to get that attention, but it just felt, it felt like I could be me. And that was the first time of many times that I started just speaking what was on my mind and saying, you know, that's not right. And saying something about it and really getting used to what personal boundaries are. And every time I did it, the, the magic was the emotional negativity that I was holding on to was starting to lift. This was more lifting, more releasing, more letting go every time I honored my personal boundaries. And I decided, you know what? I don't care what the risk is anymore. I mean, I still choose my battles wisely. I, I don't care what most risks are. If you're gonna fire me for this, for standing up for myself, for knowing what you're doing is wrong and knowing that uh, you are violating a boundary of mine, I'm gonna let you know. I'm not gonna say you're a jerk. I'm gonna say, hey, you're being disrespectful. Could you please stop doing that? And Every time I've honored my boundary, every single time, I can't even think of one time that every time I've done that, it has worked out for the better. And it has gone the complete opposite that I thought it would go. I thought I would get fired. I thought I would get yelled at. I thought this person would leave me. And every time it was just the opposite. So that's kind of why I kept going and how it feels better and better to do that. Again, it's still scary. Fear still comes up, but I make myself a priority. I say, you know what, this is happening to me and I don't want it to, and I need to stop it. And that has helped.
0: This month of all months is Mental Health Awareness Month, as you're probably aware of. And I think a a big part of your message and our message is just allowing people the freedom, to be who we would say they've ultimately been created to be just to be themselves, to be authentic. As you've, you've said often, what are some of the dangers of you? You've used this word being a chameleon, uh, kind of, you know, evolving into whatever crowd or circle that you find yourself in as opposed to being true to who you
2: are. What are some of the dangers? I think what ends up happening is, I mean, let me define this So, being a chameleon to me is the ultimate people pleaser so you show up and somebody is acting in a certain way and you don't want any conflict you don't want to get you know make any waves so you adapt to who they are and you make sure you find ways to please them and the guys probably know all about this and Mm -hmm. mental health awareness is definitely being aware of something like this when you're a people pleaser uh but I, I've seen I've done that all my life. My mom was a people pleaser because she was with an alcoholic, my stepfather, for 40 years, but as I was being raised, she didn't want to incite any drunk husband behavior. I didn't want to incite any drunk stepdad behavior. So when he was inebriated, we we acted on our best. We we made sure that we were the nicest. There was nothing wrong. We will take care of everything, enabling all the behavior and such. And so then I took all those behaviors, and I thought, that's the best way to be, because nobody gets mad at you, and they all love you, and that's, that's a great way to be. Let's just people-please for the rest of our life. I didn't call people-pleasing back then. And uh, so I took that into my adult relationships, and I was super nice and accommodating. I would never get angry, and uh, I would never raise concerns or worries. I always made them think that nothing was ever wrong. Because if I made them think something was wrong, they could get mad and they could leave me. And then I had fear of rejection and fear of abandonment. All that stuff comes up inside of me. And um, so I I started, I just kept doing that most of my life. And as I did that, this is what kept causing burnout in my life because it takes a lot, and you must know this too, it takes a lot of energy to be someone you're not. And to continue adapting to other people, thinking that's who you need to be, mm-hmm. I I've lost friendships. I I could never keep a job more than four years because I just kept accommodating to what I believed they wanted, and I never asked for raises. I never asked for. I mean, I just kept doing what I think that other people wanted me to do because it just seemed like that was the best way to keep them satisfied. When it turns out this chameleon that I kept changing colors and adapting to my environment it turns out it's just the fastest way to continue what I like to look at as dishonoring yourself I kept I continuing I continued dishonoring myself over and over again in every situation and it wasn't until 2009 or around that time when I started honoring my boundaries that I realized oh wait I can still be liked and honor myself that was just uh, too divergent in thought that never occurred to me. Like you can still honor yourself and still keep this relationship. You can still honor yourself and still have this job. And I think it's important that when you're a people pleaser or you adapt to all these situations, that what you're really doing, I like to look at it, is disintegrating yourself. You're, you're, you're slowly disintegrating who you are because you're going to get to the point where you don't know who you are anymore. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but that has been my most of my life.
1: (laughs) Well, one of, gosh, one of the reasons that we do what we do with someone to tell it to is we want people to feel free and to have permission to be who they are. We want people to be able to have a voice and, and to have their voices heard without judgment, without uh, trying to change them or fix them or whatever. And we, you know, so we, 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 want people to, to feel free, to be liberated, to be yeah. who they are, who they've been created to be and, um, to know that they, they have value. And, and just so many of us don't really believe that or feel that. So, uh, it's, it's absolutely one of our goals to make that possible.
2: I, I think that's a wonderful gift. To anyone, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to comment on that and add sure, to that. Sure, please, sure. Um, one of the things that, when I was married, one of the things I learned, <laughs> the hard way, We the best lessons learned the hard way, I think, uh, is my wife would come home and say, oh, oh, this awful day at work, and this guy did this, and I have this really big problem I'm dealing with. And me as the people pleaser always wants to fix, or this I used to always want to fix, And so I said, well, this is what you need to do. Why don't you do X? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And she's like, I'm just expressing this to you. I just want to vent this to you. I was like, yeah, but let's solve this problem so it doesn't frustrate you. Because if I can diminish the frustration, then there's a more peaceful household. So I had this logic inside that it was best to neutralize any problems. And so... uh, she would vent. And she finally said, you know, sometimes I just want you to listen. So I don't want all my problems solved. Sometimes I just want you to listen. (laughs) It was like cognitive dissonance. I said, "I, I don't understand. I don't get it. You have this problem. It can be fixed. I have the solution. Why wouldn't you want that? And it took me, I mean, she taught me a lot. It took me I don't know how many years, probably several after that to finally realize that it's not, I mean, this is a video on online about this too. It's not about the problem. It's about the emotional energy that's inside that gets released when you express and when you vent. And so your cause, your mission where you guys are in doing what you're doing is so needed. It's so important in the world. And, when somebody has a safe, non-judgmental space to share with somebody who's listening and not saying, well, ha- have you tried this? Uh, uh, oh, you did that? Oh, my God, I'm going to judge you for that. When that's not present and someone feels safe to be themselves and be vulnerable with those like, like you're doing, it, it changes. It makes them feel secure. I mean, this is what happened with my wife. She said, sometimes I just want to listen. And it it finally clicked. And uh, one day she came up to me and she started doing the same thing, venting and just so frustrated. And I decided, okay, this is one of those moments. This is the first moment. I'm going to just listen and just see what happens. So I stopped and I listened. And it wasn't like, "Mm, I want to say something now. I I actually just (laughs) got out of my head. And I totally listened, even if it was, <clears throat> excuse me, even if it was wrong, what she was saying, even if it was about me and I knew it was wrong, even if it was offensive, I just listened to everything she said. And uh, I didn't say a word. And she went on for quite a while. And then she finally stopped. And I said, I think I asked, um, do you have anything else? Is, is there anything else in there? I figured what I said. And she goes, no, I, I, think, I think that's all I have to say. And I said, well, uh, and I didn't now, it wasn't me building up going, okay, here's my big comeback. It was me. I, I decided to say, well, thank you so much for sharing that. And she didn't know how to take that. And at the same time, she was relieved and happy and it was over. And whatever the problems were really weren't energized by all that emotional build up, they were gone. The problem might still be there, but now I have a fresh perspective or she has a fresh perspective, more clarity on how to resolve it. And after that, it made me realize oh, that's what she means. Just listen. Let her vent. So this is uh, my compliment to you for allowing this space and helping others find this space if they need it.
1: Thank you. We really appreciate you saying that and understanding that.
2: found thrift shop and proud sponsors of the someone to tell it to podcasts wonders found is a totally volunteer run thrift shop begun to support our mission team as they rebuild homes in disaster areas we also support local missions and people experiencing homelessness veterans and children and youth outreaches we provide clothing and household items to families displaced by fire or flood you can learn more at our website mountcalvaryumc.org backslash wondersfound, or stop in to see what wonders you will find at 7810 Allentown Boulevard. God God bless.
0: you've written somewhere uh, I realized that by being vulnerable and releasing all of that repressed energy and expressing what was truly on my mind it made a huge positive impact on my emotional well-being and that's what you're describing in your relationship with your significant other right now Um, one of the things that we often work through ourselves is in a world where people share so much about themselves publicly what would you say is the balance between being authentic and sharing too much of ourselves? And is there a
2: balance? Let me ask you that question. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are all in the public eye, mm. putting ourselves out there into the world, being, oh, uh, I, I think we are exposing ourselves, or at least a good part of ourselves to the world, to be judged, to be commented on, to be talked about. To be literally exposed and vulnerable to the world. Oh, he's got a a, a little scar on his nose. Oh, uh, I don't like his lisp. Uh, I, you know, all these things that people are going to say. If you don't mind, do you ever face that yourself when it comes to being who you are on the air, as opposed to being who you are off the air? What? comes up for you when you're on the air do you stop yourself and go oh you know that is a personal story i probably shouldn't say that or do you find yourself becoming more transparent because you're practicing that more and more
0: that's a that's a good question that's a great question yeah uh well probably there's a lot of different ways we could answer it i know i'm reflecting as you were describing earlier just about when you put yourself out there you know we sometimes call it vulnerability remorse and and maybe like the the feelings the day after that you can get when you put something out there for others to hear about yourself that's very personal and intimate it's scary and you don't know how people are going to receive it so First off, on the person who's hearing it, we encourage everyone, one of the messages we often convey to everybody who reaches out to someone to tell to, one of the first messages is we're really proud of you. We know that's a really hard thing to share and we're so proud of you for reaching out to us to share it. Um, That means so much to everyone um, to know that there's somebody who who deeply cares that you took that that initiative, you took that risk and put it out there. But I think on the, the person who's sharing it, um, It's helpful to have some kind of a a buffer uh, we found, uh, whether it's another person who can, like I know Michael and I have been this for each other. Sometimes we're going to put something out that's very vulnerable, uh, i.e. both of our first two books were were pretty authentic. It was nice to have some other filters, um, some people who would read the stories ahead of time and say, yeah, maybe we could tweak this a little bit. Um, you know, but not to lose the, the authenticity of the story, but just so that at the end of the day, we don't want to hurt anybody else. I mean, we, we don't want to harm anybody else, by what we're putting out there, uh, we want to cause a greater good. So, um, you know, if you're putting something out there that happened to you years ago, as long as you're not knowingly or unknowingly throwing people under the bus, uh, I think it can be helpful to have somebody else who can kind of read your read what you're putting out there um sometimes though when you're in an interview stuff does come out and you can't (laughs) there isn't that buffer um but i think as as long as you're you're doing it in a spirit of of openness and genuineness and and you're not doing it again to harm anybody else but just to to share your life your story it's not really anybody else's job to um to shame us about our story. It's our story. Mm-hmm. So we, we all should have permission to share our story.
1: That's good. Um, um, we, I, w- what we try to do is practice what we preach, so to speak. So if we are encouraging other people to be vulnerable, to be open, to be more transparent, to ultimately be freed and liberated from the constraints that keep us from being who we are, who we really are, um, we, we, we also believe that we need to practice that. And so that's why we, we try to write as vulnerably as we can. Again, without throwing other people under the bus, we, we try to model mm-hmm. what it is we say is, is healthy and good. So, yeah, I think, I think sometimes actually when we're in the public sphere, we do tend to be even more vulnerable sometimes because we're in the in the moment, you know and and because we know it can help someone if it, I mean that's why we do it is in order to help to encourage to give permission to, to other people to help them know that they don't have to be alone in their <laughs> in their openness in their vulnerability and and, and that's really that's really significant. Um, I remember, And I've written about this, Uh, actually a a story in both of the books that we've written together and have have had published so far. A story that when, uh, for when I was a teenager, when uh, there was an incidence of um, sexual, you know, abuse, assault uh, on me by an adult twice my age. And um, in the first book we wrote about it and it was still pretty, fairly discreet uh, you know didn't give every single detail and it wasn't you know terribly terribly graphic but i wanted the story to be told because one of the things we hear over and over and over again is about the abuse that people have experienced and so we thought you know it's important to to let them know again they're not alone and to address it openly the publisher made me us if they were going to publish the book, that story needed to be sanitized. And there were certain things they didn't want to have mentioned. Even though, again, we did not think that it was all that graphic. I uh, we trying to be sensitive even in the initial writing of it. And, you know, that, uh, honestly, it made me angry. And yeah. it's like, you're telling me I can't tell my story the way it happened. You're telling me I can't tell my story the way... The, the way I experienced it and how I felt about it, and uh, we did sanitize it simply because if we wanted it out there at all, that's the only way we were going we to be able to get it out there at first. Yeah. So we did. But then, when we wrote our second book, we revisited that story, <laughs> and the publisher the, 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 uh, we had a different publisher, and who allowed us, uh, allowed me, but us. And this is a joint effort to 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 put it out there. Um, in, a, in a in a more more transparent more open um, way so that w- hope that more people could be helped and, and especially if nothing else to know that they're not alone uh, that and, is and so but but yeah. but there was an anger and uh, even when I talk about it now you know there's this, this resentment the, that, that 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 this well, the publisher was concerned that just certain people wouldn't be able to handle it they should you know that they might not really like to hear about this kind of stuff and it's like, well, but this stuff is real and it happens all the time, and it yeah. happens to so many more people than we can even imagine and so we need to the only way that's we can deal with it is to get it in the open, shed light on it, not darkness so
2: that is uh, that's powerful I mean when you think about One in five or one in six children that get sexually abused, and it keeps getting swept under the rug. My girlfriend was sexually abused when she was a child. She has she runs an organization for child sexual abuse. I mean, just there's uh, there's all kinds of people out there that we don't know have been sexually abused, or when they've come out either as children or as adults, there are parents that go, "We shouldn't talk about that." Oh, we want to we don't want to ruin his reputation now and what you know so i know we're not talking about child sexual abuse today but that kind of that kind of story like you said connecting with other people i mean that's exactly why i tell my stories i want other people to know that it's okay to talk about this stuff it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to cry about it it's okay to be angry about it My opinion, it's okay to hate them if you want to hate them. But, you know, we heal from that. We move on and have that release. Let me just expand on that a little bit because I don't want people thinking it's okay to continue hating. Uh, (laughs) I, I went through a period of time where I learned that I hated my stepfather. And as soon as I admitted it to myself, the hate went away. But the resistance of that hate for so long stayed with me. And I didn't know it was in there, as I was telling you earlier. So I finally was able to admit that I hated him. And when I did, I was able to just release that hateful energy. It was gone. It was like admitting that it was there helped get rid of it, that safe space to express. I hate him so much, and whoa, where did the hate go? It's gone. When that disappeared, I was able to love from a new place. He's still way over there, not in my life anymore, but I can love the relationship I have with him now, the person that he was sometimes different ways to look at that. So when you both tell your stories about vulnerability and especially you, Michael, thank you for sharing that. That's talk about being vulnerable, Mm. talk about putting it out there and other people, when they hear our stories being in the public eye, I think, you know, at least this is how I look at it. Wow. He can go out there and tell, 50,000 people, a million people, whoever, if he can do that, why can't I tell my best friend? Yeah. Why can't I finally share this with my mom? Why can't I finally just express this to a therapist or whatever it is? Hmm. Why can't I do that? Because he or she or whoever did that and here they are telling their story and that I look at the emotional energy finally was be able to be able to, to, be, able to re- be released. That emotional stuff that been holding on to for so long that repressed stuff that you were saying tom um that repressed stuff stays in there until the mind or the body finds a way to um, get it out vent it release it i look at as like a pressure cooker like the pressure cooker has a release valve that eventually it has to come out or it continues building the pressure and when you have that emotional negative negativity inside of you that pressure comes out in other destructive ways oh my relationship is ruined must be all her fault oh my lost my job those jerks never gave me a raise well did i ever say anything did i ever do anything did i ever take that pressure out and say you know every time you do that it makes me angry so would you please stop doing that no i just held that in and just let that fester inside of me Why not just deteriorate myself while the whole world just walks all over me? Not that every scenario is like that, but there were times when that happened and it caused me to just push more down. And the more I pushed down, the worse I felt. So I brought that into, uh, I brought the idea of honoring myself more and more into the idea of expressing myself more and more into the air, into the podcast world, into my blogging and putting it out into the public space. And real quick, just to be judged, knowing that I was going to be judged, knowing that there were going to be things that I was embarrassed about, knowing that I was going to tell stories that I feel guilty about or have felt guilty about, have felt shame about, still feel bad about, put it all out there. And like you were saying, Michael, uh, you connect with people in a way that maybe nobody's connected with them before. And if that's happening that allows them to connect with themselves and bring it up. And then you create that space for listening.
0: One of the things that we talk with a a lot about with people is putting on facades. And um, we'd like to ask you a question about that in a moment, but I just want to read uh, for our listeners today, just a a short segment. Sometimes it's helpful just to have a visual of what this is like. And and the visual we used in, in our first book was from, the, the Broadway show, The Phantom of the Opera. And so I'm just going to read these two paragraphs from our book and then I'll ask you a question about it. In the classic story, The Phantom of the Opera, the title character hides for years in the Paris Opera House. When he is discovered, he is wearing a mask to hide his face. The audience eventually learns that the mask hides a hideous deformity about which he is embarrassed and ashamed. He hides behind the mask because he believes that no one, could ever bear to look at him, accept him, or love him. When he is finally unmasked, he discovers that there is someone who can bear to look at him, who accepts him, and who even begins to love him. He has never experienced any of that before, not even with his own mother. At times, we all wear masks, because we too live in fear. Our masks hide who we really are, because we are afraid that, like the phantom, we will not be accepted or loved. We fear that if others saw us who we really are, they would reject us. We fear that we are not attractive enough or successful enough or smart enough or good enough to be lovable. So we put on these facades. And so as I as I was thinking about that image, uh, we wanted to ask you this question today, and maybe this would be even a good place to end our conversation. What are some helpful ways you have found to help others based on your own story to overcome the facades that we sometimes put on.
2: I think that's a great example of learning to be empowered and feel comfortable in your own skin. Like we were talking about earlier. Um, I had someone write to me once that said, you know, I have all these skin defects or pockmarks or something from acne. And he was a young kid Um, and my whole class is going on this beach trip and I don't want to go. And I think he had all over his chest too. he just had, you know, birth defects or skin deformities of some sort. He goes, I I can't go. I'm too embarrassed. I'm just way too embarrassed. I I don't want to be seen. I don't want to think about it. I don't want, I know that people are gonna look at me. And so on that episode, I I read his uh, email on the air on my podcast. And um, I said, I read, I said, yeah, uh, he, he's afraid to go. And I, I want to tell you uh, that one of the things that has helped me is becoming comfortable with my defects, my deformities, my imperfections. And I said, this is the first time I've ever said this on the air. I've never told anyone. It's been something I've been self-conscious about all my life. And I'm going to tell you because I want you to feel comfortable being you because here I am telling how many are people I was telling, um, in, in the world. And I said, I have this defect that I was born with where my chest caves in a little bit. And I said, I hate taking my shirt off at a public pool. I hate it. And or I did at the time. It's still uncomfortable to me, but I told him that because I think it's important to be, at least comfortable accepting yourself. And when you get to that point where you accept yourself and love yourself and know you are worthy and know you are important, which is, I know, a process. Sometimes a lot of healing has to take place for that to happen, but it's not that far off to to be able to go, you know what? This is who I am. There's nothing I can do about it. I could get plastic surgery sure why not but i'm not gonna spend fifty thousand dollars on something that really isn't affecting me but this is who i am and i told him this i was like so i'm telling you this and everyone else listening it's an embarrassing physical defect i've always had body image issues anyway which has prevented me from even asking girls out and i told that on the air too i said i'm telling you all this because i want you to be comfortable being who you are because you're going to miss so many opportunities in life just because you think everyone's looking at you. And and then I said, you know what? If your friends look at you and judge you, they're not your friends. If you if there are other people looking at you and judging you, they have insecurities in themselves that they haven't come to terms with and they're pushing it on you. So, here I am expressing this vulnerability to you. I hope that you aren't judging me. Of course, I'm I want to believe that of my listeners are saying, oh my God, of course I'm not judging you. You're a nice guy. You're helpful. I'm I'm hoping they're thinking that. (laughs) But I choose to believe that regardless of what they're thinking. And so I I spread this and he wrote back and it makes me tear up. I don't even know if I can say it. (laughs) He said, you changed my life. And uh, it was just amazing to get that kind of response that uh he said i'm going i don't care i'm going I'm going on this trip and i don't care and he he wrote he said he was going to do it and then he wrote back after the trip and said i had the best time and so i think that moment changed his life and it just it touches me you can tell it just touches me it just feels so good that something i shared changed somebody's life and so to your question, I. uh I've learned that I don't care what you look like. As long as you accept, this is what you get. And I like to look at it as I'm a hot catch. <laughs> I want you to accept, <clears throat> excuse me, I want you to accept that you're a hot catch. I want you to accept that you're great. And when you do that, I, you can, you will present that to the world. People see your light. When that happens, they, they see you bright and light and, and, you feel good about yourself and you're going to face the opposition. You're going to face judgment. You're going to face this stuff. And the people who love you will want you to be happy and want you to feel good about yourself. And those are the people that matter. So you're going to get all kinds of people with all kinds of reactions. Oh my God, look at his skin. Oh my God, look how skinny that person is. Look how fat that person is. But be comfortable in yourself and When you are, your friends are going to love that you're so happy and good to be around and that good energy. I know it takes work. It takes a lot of self-worth work. You might have to parent yourself if you didn't get that love and attention from your parents and know that you are worthy and know that you are important. It is work. It is healing. But when you do that and accept yourself and, and be comfortable in your own skin, even if you don't like your own skin, just, you know what? This is what you get. This is who I am. This is, this is, I, I'm going to just show up in the world. as who I am. So this is how it is. And it becomes just something natural. And so this is what I had to do. I had to, this is who I am. I'm going to take my shirt off. People are going to look at me. They're not going to, some people aren't going to look at me. I've noticed that, and this is sort of due with this anxiety too. When, when you get anxiety, when you walk into a room, almost half the room is anxious too. So everyone, you think that everyone's looking at you they think that everyone's looking at them too. <laughs> so that's how I feel about anything physical or anything that you're insecure about is that, yeah, all those people are insecure about something too. So I'm going to walk in at least proud of and accepting of myself. I hope they do the same thing, but this is who I am. And maybe it'll rub off on them. So there's my answer to that. <laughs> it's a wonderful so answer. Helpful. And it's a
1: great place to end this conversation today. There's, oh, whether well First of all, there's just so much more we could talk about, (laughs) and maybe we'll get that opportunity to do it again. That would be tremendous. But uh, we thank you so much for today. And so I just want to share this, that that today, uh, Paul Coliani works as a behavior and relationship coach and a teacher of emotional intelligence. His purpose in hosting his podcast, The Overwhelmed Brain, is to help empower us to make decisions that are right for us. So Paul, um, if you'd like to say just a little bit more about what you do and, and then how can people contact you to learn more about you and, and your work?
2: Thanks again for having me. Thanks for listening to me and allowing me the space to tear up and almost lose it on the air. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you do that to people. You just let this stuff come out. Um, I am grateful for the time here and to be able to share with the people listening. Um, you can... Reach me over at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And certainly, I have tons of articles, tons of podcasts. I've been doing episodes for, I mean, doing this podcast for uh, since 2013, I've been doing it for many, many, many years. So I have over 400 episodes. Anything you can think about that has to do with anything emotional, I've pretty much covered guilt, shame, embarrassment, fear, uh, you name it, it's on there. I also have another podcast called Love and Abuse over at loveandabuse.com. It's about emotionally abusive relationships. Um, I come from sort of both sides, but more uh, I was the toxic person who has gone through a lot of healing, so I have that perspective. Um, And that's available over over at, again, loveandabuse.com. But um, everything that I do online is at those two websites. And uh, it's certainly, you know, check it out if that's something you're looking for. And I appreciate your time. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for your authenticity. I
2: appreciate it. We treasure it very much. Thank you so much.
1: Once again, we're so grateful to Paul Colianni for everything that he shared today. And as said earlier, we could uh, we could keep on talking. There were just so many questions we had that we never even got to and we, we realize there's a lot more uh, to this conversation.
0: Our and technician, Clark, reminds us often that that's kind of become a, a branding it, right. mechanism for us. <laughs> that's
1: right. Uh, but we really mean it genuinely and and honestly that there's this, this, these conversations are, are very meaningful to us and we hope they are to you too. One of the things that uh, Paul has written about that we really didn't talk about today is that the importance of whatever you need to do to help heal whatever is going to help comfort you when things are uncomfortable whatever is going to allow you to move forward with uh, you know in a challenging situation in your life whatever is going to make your life better said so it's important to follow that yearning those yearnings to do what you need to do in order to heal, in order to be better. Just this week uh, before this podcast uh, was was recorded, we met with a friend of ours who had, uh, within the last year, lost his mother. and uh, She lived in in a retirement home, a nursing home. And because of COVID restrictions, he was not able to visit her. And uh, that was really tough. And she began to decline. Life got more difficult for her and, and, and more and more limited. And still, he wasn't able to see her. When she began to actively die, um, he was called into the home and, and allowed to, to say goodbye. But by the time he got there, she was already gone, even though he, he went as quickly as he could. And he, he regrets that and um, misses her very much. But when we met with him, he showed us a bracelet that uh, he was wearing on his arm. And he, and he said, I, I never wear these things. This is the first time. But he said, this bracelet represents my mother. Because inside the bracelet, there are some of her ashes. And so I'm carrying her with me wherever I go and when i get to go when i have been able to go to some places where she's never been he said at least now she's been there and he just just very seriously um talked about about this bracelet and and her ashes within it and how meaningful it is to him to have her with him all the time and everything that he does it's his way of remembering, his way of connecting with her, his way of, of grieving and celebrating her life. He too said to us, hey, you do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You do what you have to do to get through and to come to terms. And uh, just like Paul says, same thing. So uh, we honor everyone who has the courage to do what they have to do in order to to meet and face the challenges, the grief, the loneliness, pain
0: in their lives. With that message in mind, we just wanna make ourselves available to you. Uh, Michael and I ourselves are available to you, but also we do have a mission. Someone to tell to, his mission is to cultivate meaningful relationships through compassionate listening and to train others to do the same. We have a team that just continues to grow monthly of listeners are here to support you on your journey. So please reach out to us through our website, someone to tell it to.org. We, uh, we want you to know today that we're proud of you already for taking that first step, which is often the hardest to, uh, to find the healing that you need and seek. So until we listen again,